Hey, good to hear everyone's friendly voices there, and uh, wonderful to have you with us today. Um, uh, just before I get underway, I've got one little notice that Deb gave me. Isn't Debbie beautiful? I'm just like, oh my gosh, she's an angel. Sorry, now you got a look at my face. Hey. Uh, <laughs> so, um, and a couple. <laughs> I didn't hear that, Wayne, and I don't know if I want to. Um, <laughs> unless it was encouraging. Um, I'm sure it was. Anyway, not this Tuesday, but the next Tuesday, on the 31st of May, um, we are kicking off House of Prayer, prayer times down here at Thrive from 5. Yeah, I know, right? I hear that who. From uh, 5 till 6 p.m., um, it's, it's not, well, it's in, any time's inconvenient, um, but this is also inconvenient, but we're just going, hey, whatever prayer is important, let's pray, um, and so that's going to be the time every second week, and also on the last, the last, the second Saturday of every month, that's right, there is a prayer time as well, another house of prayer at the Eginks on a Saturday night, and we'll get some more details out there for you, but if you want to be connected with any um, prayer times, we certainly want to encourage you to engage, and it'd be wonderful to see you down here um, on Tuesdays, so yes, hey, we are actually today kicking off kind of like a four-week, um, let there, or was it, be the light, expansion, yeah, <laughs> I don't know where I got the let there, but this is our theme this year, is actually let there be light, but we're going to be talking about um, being the light in the context of our expansion of the kingdom. And, uh, and last year, we took up an, an expansion offering, and we took up something like $40,000, which was amazing, and we were able to put $35,000 into community uh, and, and overseas mission and connect um, with our mission partners you know, 24-7 youth workers locally. It was really exciting. And then anything over and above that 35K, we actually really want to invest into the expansion of this building um, as well. We really believe God's got a, um, you know, a big heart for this region. We want to see this place packed uh, on Sundays. We want to push this wall out uh, at the back, which is going to be one of the exciting things that are on the, in, in the near future. We want to put some offices out the front. Uh, we're also looking actually right now at investing in a air filtration system. Whoa, exciting, right? Um, this is to um, help bring us up to code, but also just to look after the health and well-being of everyone in, the, um, in this room who gathers. You know, compliance says that actually we need to be changing the air in this uh, room every, uh, every hour or so so that we can be breathing fresh air. And um, so we're going to bring that to you sometime uh, hopefully in the next few months, actually. So that's that's really cool. Um, so yeah, th today um, I just want to start with a little bit of a of a family chat, actually, um, in regards to the topic of finances. Yeah, feel that. So good. Um, it's going to be really, really encourage. I hope this word's a real encouragement today. I mean, the, the outcome of finances is that there is resources in the house of God so that the, we've got something to shine with as well as the presence and the power of Jesus. But there are actually resources in his house. And I'm going to give you three reasons just off the bat, though, why I'm going to talk about it this way today. Um, so number one, a couple of years ago, we were actually touching a weekly average of around $10,000 a week coming into this church family. 
And, um, and, and at this current time, we're sort of around the $7,000 mark. Um, for our, 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 um, our general budget to, to kind of like, you know, to, for us to meet that, we actually need, you know, to do that comfortably somewhere around eight five. So we've got some day-to-day running costs, including wages. We've got a lot of volunteers, but a lot of part-timers. We've got overheads in this building. We've got missions that come through our general offering. So we've got incomings and outcomings, just like every household has. And so, um, you know, I, I don't want to launch into this big kind of like, hey, we're excited about an expansion offering. We're going to take that up in four weeks without actually addressing the elephant in the room that, hey, we've got also got weekly costs to be met. And if you're not part of giving it Thrive, but you're sort of thinking about becoming a regular giver, we really want to encourage you to just kind of jump into that regular habit of giving in our church uh, family as well. If you're interested in how we spend money at Thrive, you're actually welcome to go on to it. We've got um, the charities website. You can check that out. I've got a PowerPoint up there. You could take a photo of that really exciting slide there and look into the details, do a deep dive on any church actually that you want to in New Zealand, uh, but you could find Thrive there as well. And um, when we've done all our finances, we have those reports available as well. So that's the first reason I want to talk about what I'm going to talk about today. Second reason is that money is a hot topic. Um, You know, we all at times have challenges with money. Um, You know, we've seen churches come undone around money. We've seen, um, you know, relationships can unravel because of money. And um, so money is a hot topic. And especially when we think of the economy in New Zealand at the moment, it's actually, there's pressure. There's, you know, there's the, there's a squeeze on the, on the middle, you know, however national frame it anyway. <laughs> but there is pre- there's pressure on families at this time that I understand that the cost of living has gone up. I just about had to get an extension on my mortgage when I bought a block of cheese last week. Um, you know, we've just been through two years of financial uncertainty, okay? So I want to frame that in the context as well. Um, And rightly or wrongly, we hardly actually ever talk about money at Thrive. Um, If you're new along here today, or visiting this morning, you'll be like, oh, all that church talks about is money. Money, 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 money. No, we actually we don't actually talk about money that uh, that much. But probably for the next two times I'm going to speak, I'm actually going to be um, talking about money, and it's in the context of the Bible. And that leads me to my number three. Jesus actually discussed the topic of money more than he spoke of faith or prayer combined. Um, Eleven of his forty parables were about money, and or he used money as a way to teach spiritual truths. So it's like what. You know, like he actually, the whole money thing is actually a part of stewardship in the kingdom. Um, And so I want to just jump into this. I'm actually going to talk a little bit about um, like tithing today. Uh, I know, right? Just hold on. It's gonna be. It's gonna be all right. We're gonna get through this. Uh, And 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 but first of all, I want to talk about um, and look at this tension around Jesus and the teachers of the law. Um, that we can look at in, in Mark chapter 12. And so I'm going to do a bit more sort of a teachy type message today, all right? Um, I know, so I'm going to try and teach, okay? I'm kind of, I'm exhorting and encouraging is my kind of go-to, but we're going to go to um, to teaching mode today. Um, and so the scene is is that Jesus is actually with his 
disciples, and they're watching people putting their offerings into the temple treasury. And in Mark 12, it says this, Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into this treasury than all of the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all that she had to live on. There's like a big observation there that Jesus makes. Everything, you know, everything she had, she went on. And at first glance, we can kind of look at the scripture and we can see that Jesus watches the offering and, and he looked, he's even looking at the ratios and thinking about how people are giving according to what they have. And then we're like, wow, Jesus. And, then, and actually we've upheld that woman. It's like, well, she's a champ. She gave everything. And, and I don't doubt that in churches, people have used that scripture to really go, whoa, you know, this is your opportunity to give everything today. I'm not going to do that um, right now, maybe later. No. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, in the, in the preceding verses of Mark 12, Jesus is actually bringing a scathing attack on the teachers of the law. In Mark 12, this is right before that passage of observing this woman giving the money. Um, Jesus says, watch out for the teachers of the law. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. So there's a real tension in this passage of Scripture, and I don't think we can talk about one without actually framing it around what is happening in that chapter. You know, um, if, if the teachers of the law had really represented the heart of Christ, wouldn't a portion of the offering go towards the widow? Would they say, hey, hey, don't, don't give that. Look, look, you know, how are you going to pay your rent? You know, I... I don't know. This is this is just an uh, an uh, it's an observation that's been made in 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 uh, in scripture. It's not actually a, a prescription of of what we should do necessarily. It's just an observation of what's going on. But in this context, there is a real tension. I think when we look at that scripture, and so it's really important in light of that that the church doesn't place unreasonable burdens upon those who are financially struggling. And then so later, and we can see in Acts chapter 2 that the church is a part of this amazing picture of taking care of one another and meeting each other's needs. Um, so today, though, I'm going to just kind of like, we're going to rewind New Testament. We're going to jump into that a little bit, but we're going to just want to look, look at tithing in the Old Testament. Um, and something I just want to encourage you to do, um, just as I do this, is to not base your conclusion on about tithing in regards to other churches, you know, wonky prosperity doctrine or, you know, financial mismanagement. I just want to bring, just, I just want to bring God's word to you this morning. Um, and I want you to take away this word, to digest it, to process it, to pray about it, to take some notes, write some stuff down. You know, there's no kind of arm wrestle here from me to you um, today. This is very much just kind of like, hey, this is the word of God. And I just think it's important for us to talk about. So I'm going to pray and then we're just going to jump into this. Jesus, we just thank you. Um, Lord, we just thank you. I just thank you for everyone in this room. 
uh, that you love everyone dearly. You know everyone's challenges in this season, and and um, you you see the bigger big picture of our nation financially, God. And and we just want to we just we pray you give us wisdom. We pray that you would lead our, you know, you'd lead our expression of, of financial generosity. You'd lead our expression of good financial management and stewardship, and your kingdom would come in this area. Amen. So, yeah, the word tithe um, is, there's a Hebrew equivalent, all right? It's not just made up in the English language, and it's, it's you pronounce it marisara, something like that anyway. And, and it's, it's a concept of ten of tents, actually. It's a special class of offering. And the Old Testament, it presents four aspects of tithing. Number one, um, or four dimensions anyway, one, to meet the economic needs of the worship center. And you can find that in that reference. And uh, secondarily, it's to meet the needs of marginalized Israelites. And you can find this in Deuteronomy 14. And, and there's an aspect of the tithe that was actually taken up every three years for this um, group of people. Uh, number three, um, it's a precondition to God's blessing, and, and we'll look at that as well. And number four, the means of expressing worship to God. So, uh, you know, let's just start off with like going to the first mention, the law of first mention. It's not actually the law, though, right? When, the, when I say the law of first mention, this is not under the old covenant law. It's just like a biblical principle that you look, when you're thinking about a topic, you go to the first place it's mentioned in the Bible. So tithing is actually activated um, not under the law. It's not under the old covenant, so to speak. It didn't actually originate with Moses, who gave the law, but it originated with Abraham, who is, you know, he's, what is he? He's the father of faith, right? And so the context is, is, that, is in Genesis 14. I'm not going to like put um, all of this scripture up here, but the recap is that Abraham, he's returning victoriously. Uh, he's from a war. He's a warrior, and he's actually freed his nephew Lot, and, and, and he meets this guy on the way, and his name is Melchizedek, all right? Anyone heard of Melchizedek? It's an amazing word to try and say on the way home. I was practicing it this morning anyway. And, and he meets this guy on the way home. And, and the book of Hebrews, jump to the New Testament right now, says that there's a whole kind of chapter there on him. And it, and it says that Melchizedek is a type of Christ, a representation of Christ. So this is really important to keep in mind. It says this in Hebrews 7 verse 3, that says that Melchizedek, without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the Son of God, Jesus, he remains a priest forever. So it's pretty, like it's a whoa out there, kind of like on the way home from war, Abraham meets Melchizedek, who was actually a supernatural priest, okay? And Abraham is like, you are amazing and you need to be honored and, and, he, and in that moment, he says, I'm going to give you a tenth, a tithe, first mention of everything I have. And so it's really important for us to note that tithing actually appears before the giving of the law. Abraham, who is the father of our faith, is tithing to a type of Christ. It says this in, in Romans 4, and this is about Abraham, who Abraham is. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. 
Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring. Not only to those who are of the law, but to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. Can you see the connection there, that, that we, we're, we're not of the law, but, we, but to those who have the faith of Abraham. In essence, we are in his faith lineage. And when we, see, and we read the book of Romans, we can see that the blessing of Abraham, it came upon the Gentiles, and then we are invited into this Abrahamic faith. And so this is a really, actually this is a really powerful teaching in regards to the tithe, uh, and when, when we look into the book of Hebrews, and we say, man, we're, we're, a, we're a part of the Abrahamic tribe. He, he's the father of our faith. If, if it's good enough for Abraham, if it's, in, if it's good enough for us. Um, and then you've got Jacob, the, the grandson of Abraham, and he responds to Yahweh's presence at Bethel. And that, you know, uh, Bethel actually just literally means house of God in Genesis 28 verse 22 and it says this and this stone um, which I've set up as a memorial stone so he has an encounter will be God's house and of everything that you give me I will assuredly give a tenth to you Jacob experiences God and he says surely this is the house of God <laughs> and as an expression I want to give you 10 percent Bethel, <laughs> 10% of everything that God would give him. With everything, Lord, I want to honor you. And this is a, and I believe, this is my belief, that this is a theology for us. And this precedes the giving of the law. Not that we want to just completely disqualify the law as well, because there's some, you know, there's some seriously good content in that. But one of the arguments that I've heard over the years is that I uh, tithing's Old Testament. You know, there's, and yes, it is, but it's still in the Bible. And there's still something of that. And so today I want to talk about less about the law and more about the response that we see in the Old Testament. Um, it, it, the Old Testament, it still gives us this window of heart response uh, that of people when they encountered him, took the awe and the majesty of God and said, oh, I've got to do something to honor you. You know, like I've got to, I've got to give something of myself um, at, to you. Then we look at Matthew 23. We're going to jump to the New Testament now. This is an interesting scripture in light of Old Testament. Jesus says this. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, your mint, your dill, and your cumin. You know, they had their herb drawer in order, right? They were, it's a little burn right there. Uh, uh, but you have, <laughs> we have, like Deb and I, we've got this fun banter going on in our marriage for years around herb drawers or herb racks. I'm a herb rack guy. Deb's a herb drawer guy. No. Herb racks. Oh, herb drawers? Yeah. Oh, come on. God, when? Anyway, so. Anyway, these guys were definitely herb rack guys. No, they were herb drawers. No, anyway. Uh, anyway, so. I'm going to start the scripture again. 
It's very serious. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, your mill, your dimp, your dill, your cumin. Okay, we got that. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the, the former. So these guys are they're tithing on the smallest thing, but they're now taking advantage of widows and orphans. Once again, we see this tension there where it's like, oh, just be Christ-like, you know. Don't be under the law. But Jesus did say this. You should have practiced the latter. <laughs> and he's addressing the tithe without neglecting the others. So he's actually saying, hey, is, is, um, is corrupt? I think we could say that about some of these guys, as you are. Yeah. This, this part of what you're doing is actually fulfilling a part of your response to me. There's more I could say that, but I'll just jump over that. Um, the last, no, the second to last scripture I want to bring to you um, is, is in the book of Malachi. Uh, and Malachi is a prophet, and he was ministering at this time where he gives the scripture to those who had returned from Babylon after 70 years. You know, Daniel had done his tour, he'd served three kings, he'd been in the lion's den, it was all a part of that. And, and, and so uh, Malachi is, is right there under Nehemiah and uh, rebuilding Jerusalem. And so this, this passage of scripture gives us kind of it helps us understand about how God felt about the tithe and the purpose of the tithe in the context of people rebuilding their lives even. It says this, you know, we've, if you've been in church like for years, man, this, this scripture has been like, uh, you know, like this is the one that we bring out once a year just to make sure that you know, okay? Uh, Malachi 3 verse 8. Is this okay? Sorry. David Ferry, I'm sorry. Uh, will, a, will a mere mortal rob God? No, I'm being yeah, you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And this scripture is the only passage in the Bible that God says, hey, you can test me on this. Test me on my nature. Because then it goes and says, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. So when Malachi, the prophet, is, is reading this, he's seeing, you know, that, yeah, well, these people have got a lot to rebuild here, yet you actually cannot forget the house of the Lord in this season of your life. You know, the prophets, it's their job to interpret the law and to, to, to see that people come into being in tune with what God's saying in his heart. And there's three promises that are on offer in the, uh, with the tithe in Malachi. One is abundant rain for production. You know, there's a beautiful picture for us as well, isn't it? 
The other one is the removal of obstacles that would prevent abundance. And the, and the, the third is blessings so obvious that people, you know, beyond our immediate circle would recognize God's blessing and favor on our lives. And this is all good, but we need to hold this intention with the fact that Christianity is not what we call a fertility religion. Yes, God says that there's going to be abundance, there's going to be all those good things, but a fertility religion would say, oh, we need rain. Oh, God of thunder, let me sacrifice to you, and then you will make rain. Uh, uh, you know, I need more children. Um, my quiver's not yet full. Uh, if, I get, if I give 10%, it's up to you, God. You said you would, you know, meet my needs. We can't approach God with a sense of arrogance and entitlement. (laughs) It's not how it works. And and in this last passage I want to share, um, which this ironically is actually a part of the law. You really see God's heart in this for us, I believe, in Deuteronomy 12, 6 and 7. And Moses is giving the law. He says, bring your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes and your special gifts, which you have vowed to give in your freewill offerings and the firstborn of your herds and your flocks. And man, this text shows that they were giving actually way more than 10%. It was like tithes and then this and then that and then this. And it's like, whoa, sheesh. And then in the presence of the Lord your God, you and your family shall eat and rejoice in everything you have put your hand to because the Lord your God has blessed you. And the emphasis in here. I think we can see that is it just simply is an insane privilege to be able to give to God, to be able to worship Him. This is saying, hey, hey, this is something, this isn't something you have to do. This is something that you get to do. You get to bring your worship to me, an expression of not just your voice and your posture and your hands raised, but you get to bring an offering. You get to bring something incredible to me of your life. This is a privilege for you. And, and you know, you can see enthusiastic bringings of tithes and offerings right through the Bible happen. And even, um, you know, in Exodus 36, there's this revival going on and, and the Holy Spirit moved on all the people and, and, and Moses had to say, hey, stop giving. <laughs> You're actually giving too much. We've got, we've got too much going on. But the tithe, like our whole lives, essentially, is another act of worship to the king. The tithe is like the offering, you know, that Noah gave. He, 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 his, he's like, thank you, Father, for keeping my feet dry. <laughs> I'm so grateful. Let me, let me show, thank you for keeping that boat afloat. You know, thank you for just being a part of my world and just, you looked after us and I want to give you an offering. You kept my family alive. And that's what the tithe is. I believe the tithe is for people who are alive in Christ, who are in the faith of Abraham, who are, it's a part of that expression. I was dead in my sins and my trespasses. And I want to thank you, God. You've just, you've, you've enriched my life. You've done so much from me. And the tithe doesn't 
come from this sense of I need this, I need that, or I need the other, so just dance for me, monkey, dance. You know, it's not, that's not what the tithe is about at all. Sure, God, it says in Philippians, beautiful scripture, that, that my God will meet all of your needs according to His riches in glory. I love this psalm, Psalm 29 verse 2. He says this, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. I just wonder, church, if if you just stand now. I'm just going to bring this into landing right here. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we just thank you for your word. We just thank you that we are here to bring honor and glory and majesty to your name. That our lives would be an expression of of who you are, God, flowing to us and through us, God. And we just want to say yes to you. And I just pray for anyone today just who heard this word, they're just really wrestling in and what the next step is. And I pray, Father, you would just release that sense of faith. You'd release that activation right now in the Spirit, God, to just bring peace, bring revelation. And we just pray for our our business people today. God, for those who are wrestling through this season and this time, we pray, Father, that you would bless the work of the hands. God, that you would bring new clients and activation of financial flow. We thank you for divine appointments, God. We thank you for every everyone who's working and producing income in this church, God, that you would bring favor with employees. Lord, there'd be increase, God. We thank you for, we thank you, Father, that, that money isn't the root of all evil, but that the love of money is. And so we just want to you know, we just thank you that in, in a sense you're saying money isn't, it's just a resource. And so we just, we bless, Father, the finances of every family in this church, God. God, for those who are hard-pressed and doing it tough, Lord, show them what the next step is for them, whether it's asking for help, God. We just, we pray, Father, that you would meet their needs in Jesus' name. Amen.